This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, it's 10pm, it's Wednesday, and it's time for the Late Late Chat Show with me, Toby Pencook, on my own. Very spontaneously, Ed was going to be with me, but 10 minutes ago, he had to disappear off and sort something out. So this week, I'm going to still talk about teachy stuff, as a teachy boy, pointless pedagogies, pedagogies, exercise books. This Stay with is me. Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. So um, I've got Alex Wright in the room and Tom Rogers as well, our, our captain of Teachers Talk Radio. So Ed, um, I haven't really followed what's happened on Twitter, but Lucy seemed to know. Um, hi, Alex, you're there. You've just done a show, Alex. Um, um, Ed, good evening, everybody. So Ed is fine. He's OK. I think he had a minor, um, minor kind of... Uh, incident today um some of you may know more about that than i do um i haven't caught up with him we don't have we haven't had a pre-production meeting the last two weeks we just kind of coordinate our show via whatsapp and then see what's going to happen and um he just rang me literally 10 minutes ago because he was all geared for it as you may have been able to tell on on the recent twitter stuff and uh, but a friend just turned up with a car that to lend him, and he's got to drive them back home, and then drive them. Back. So, so here I am on my own. So um, I've got Joe joining, and Lucy, and Alex, and Tom. So thank you for being here. Um, thank you for staying up. Um, I didn't do the intro that I planned because um, obviously I had the spontaneous not Ed with me this week uh, but we've got quite a few things still to discuss um yes no <laughs> tom thank you um yes yeah, someone can call in so <clears throat> i um we've got our usual usual features and i'll call you I'll, I'll get you to call in in a moment alex because um it really does pick up on on something that <clears throat> uh you were talking about on your excellent show with Kay. um i'm just going to do do you mind if i do the sort of uh, tweet of the week first alex and then then get you to call in about sort of Five or six minutes, marvellous. Okay, so uh, let's use my usual sound effects and <clears throat> get on with the show. Okay, hang on. Mm. I've got, suddenly got a tickly throat as well, which is not good, is it? <coughs> I am fine, by the way. Um, just my port has maybe gone down the wrong way. Um Oh dear, where is it? I like to use my sound effects. There it is. Tweet of the week. Well, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? It's been quite a week. I, When we're back at school and we're busy teaching, I'm probably not as active on on the twits as I am in the holidays, which is perhaps the reverse for quite a lot of teachers. But... Um, I've bookmarked quite a few uh, things to have a look at. And so I'm going to go and find my bookmarks. And um, there are some things to discuss about. Right. So let's spool back um, the things that have caught my eye over the last week. I'm going back to a tweet of... Um, Ed Finch, not Ed Finch, a tweet of Nick Wood, first of all, who is our, in fact, Ed and my unofficial uh, researcher for Tweet of the Week. So Nick Wood, the wonderful Nick Wood, um, he does a lot of research and sends us information about Tweet of the Week. And he retweeted a tweet of Zoe Ensis, a, a fine TT radio host on Saturday mornings herself. And Zoe Ensis tweet that Nick thought was a good candidate for Tweet of the Week. And I think he's right. Is her tweet was in response to another tweet, which uh, you need to hear first. So Dominic Cummings tweeted, it's also interesting how strong the evidence is on spaced repetition versus that. Tabitha retweeted that, quote tweeted that, 
uh, with Tabitha McIntosh, um, everyone knows and talks about spaced repetition. And then Zoe's reply, which is very funny, explains the spaced leaks we're getting about the parties, though, once it fully embedded. <laughs> so I thought that was very good. Um, uh, right, that's that's number one. And then I'm going to... Uh, mention a tweet of my own that I'm quite proud of. Um, Post-university challenge Claxon. Post-university challenge Claxon. I appear to have accidentally collided with Dubai. Why, oh, why, oh, why? This is literally the last place on my list of places to visit ever anywhere on Earth. I'd rather go to freaking Mars with Branson, Bezos and that other space billionaire T-W-A-T. Not going to swear on the radio. Right. Um, anyway, but this one's good. Um, Ed, another one I'm being a bit bit um a little bit incestuous here, not incestuous, a little bit parochial, a little bit parochial. Uh, talking about uh, <laughs> what, what was the response to? It was an Ed reply. Uh, three most funny things that have happened in your classroom. Sharper pencils. I was just thinking of which ones I could reveal, and I think most of them would be taken the wrong way by worthier-than-thou types. Ed replied, thankfully, the worthier-than-thou types leave our show well alone. They're all asleep already, so they can get up at half-past three to bake their own quinoa. Never know how to pronounce that. I think that's the incorrect pronunciation. Um, before they go to the gym, which I thought was quite entertaining. Well done, Ed. Okay, but... It's getting better. My favourite, uh, there was a conversation between James Hanscom and Mr Mount Stevens um, talking about children getting yelled at by parents. And James Hanscom said, yelled at doesn't bother me. It was when one dad chased me down the A20 in his pickup truck that I thought things had gone too far. That it was quite amusing. But I think my favourite tweet of the week, my favourite tweet of the week, um, from one of my favourite tweeters, a parody account, a parody account, good old, yes, Hanscom does give good tweet, Alex, I agree. Um, SLT newbie, I love SLT newbie, and she is absolutely bang on the money um, for, for, for many SLT newbies and some established SLT people too, for that matter. Hi all. This week, we'll be electing form captains. Each group will elect the most inappropriate representative from their peer group. They will be given bright green bibs to wear so that the bullies can pick them out easily in a crowd. Thanks. Kiss. Um, I thought that was very entertaining. Um, and good old AR at Llewellyn20. He tweets a lot of stuff that's very insightful and subversive. Um, the BBC issued some self-harm guidance to include advice. And this was this will be added to the 12 pages safeguarding policy. Everyone will sign to say they've read it. No one will read it. Then it becomes another box to tick for Ofsted. Schools will do the odd display, occasional assembly, then add it to the 346 other things. I think... This is the challenge, isn't it, with the safeguarding policies? Very, very important, um, but it's all legalese. It's it's kind of it's like the modern world wrapped up in one policy. It is a kind of legal ass covering, really, because it's a pretty grim area, obviously. But um, the policy is so long and so impenetrable um, that um, actually the most salient points from such things are never never sort of digested. Um, and we'll talk about policies another time. Anyway, that's. A lot of mine. I like the led by donkeys um, pastiche of line of duty. That was a good one. And Sim Crowther, who's recently left the teaching profession. Sim Crowther, who has recently left the teaching profession. And I liked this. The whole Cummings Johnson saga is like having a post playtime inquest into who kicked whom and why everybody's covered in wet leaves. Nobody's to be trusted. It's exhausting. It's a terrible waste of everyone's time. And they should probably both be in detention immediately. I thought that was good. Um, yes, right. Um, that's that. Okay. So, um, I don't know which one of those you liked best. I'm, I am going to do a sound effect and I am going to the three most. Now, Alex, you've already been 
on the show as my stand-in Ed. You've done a show of your own, but if you'd like to join in for a little bit of a chat, um, for the pre-news chat, um, here we go. Here he is. Here he is. One of my favourite people in the world. Oh, oh, I've missed the click on the invite. You've got to do again. Give it, give it a go. I was too slow. I was too slow. Call in. Alex, right, call in. What do I have to do now? Just a click plus on there. Oh, there we go. We've sent your invite. Alex is a speaker now. I'm here. Hello. Hello. You really don't have to if you want to go to bed because you've had a long... I, I, it's, it's fine. I, I could do 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I, um, <laughs> I get up quite early and um, I'm really trying to sleep like a normal person. So, But <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't resist you. And I also I feel bad because... Do you know, I feel like Twitter gives me, well, not Twitter even, I just have a real sense of like duty as well. Not that this is a duty. I'm really not starting very well. But I haven't been on Twitter very much recently. And, and I feel like I haven't listened to people's shows and I keep meaning to like read people's stuff and read people's shows and life is happening. And I just feel terrible, um, you know, about, I really feel so, so guilty. And like, I haven't listened to your show for the last few weeks. And I've been like, I keep meaning to listen to your show. But Alex, so, but Alex I haven't read your last piece of writing either. And, and I know oh, it'd be wonderful. I know exactly. <laughs> and there's, but there's not, there's not enough time. Tom says, no, Alex, you're great. Um, oh, you're just thanks, showing guys. you're nice. Lucy oh, says, lovely Lucy. Lucy's a really dedicated Lucy's listener, best. isn't she? Lucy's she actually the best. the best human. Like she's so supportive. Like I know. I, I like think she people... might. She might have gone higher in the league of supportive, wonderful people on Twitter than so even Hugs lovely. Hugh Hugs Hugh Ogilvy. Who, Where's who's... he been recently? Where's he been? Yeah. Where's I don't he know. He's, he kind of peaked on your show. I pro probably need to DM him. Actually, <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> now you mention it. Um, um, anyway, yeah. but but no, thank you. I, I but it's actually quite timely because i wanted to talk about and ed and i were going to talk about because most of our three mosts so far have been a little bit deviated away from the kind of classroom really we, okay. we, we you know this is teachers talk radio and we thought it was about time that we actually spoke a little bit more directly you know more right. explicitly less less implicitly i suppose yeah. about teaching matters and so we just came up with this three most pointless pedagogies now very controversial um ed actually puts me out on twitter just before the show before he thought he was going to be on the show with me um and about oh gosh what am i going to mention and a lot of people have been going on about fairly old dead ones that are kind of buried anyway well relatively buried but i know they're still used somewhere you know the brain gyms and the learning stars we're not going to talk about them Good. i my my first one that i wanted to talk about and you mentioned it in your show earlier on and i don't want this to be misconstrued by the cognitive load theory champions <laughs> um and and, I'm, and i don't want to be because i it makes sense. Cognitive load theory makes perfect. I've taught maths before to year five and six, and I teach science through to year five, through to year eight, uh, from year five through to year eight. And if you are teaching something abstract and alien, which a lot of new mathematical concepts or new scientific concepts are to, to, to any human minds, let alone young human minds, um, then really focusing and really concentrating and not being distracted by the person next to you or a smiggle pencil case or um, a bright display to the right of your projector board or whatever. I, I get it. I totally get it. But learning at school six hours a day it can't be like that all day. And it, it, I don't think – I think it's just it, – it scares me that, you know, we – believe and of course i teach on the cusp of primary and secondary and it's so different the two the two two settings but i just think there's a huge paradox in the fact that we're currently obsessed with this kind of cognitive load theory optimizing the learning the cognition focus of learners and yet we have school timetables where children are moving between lessons every 50 minutes, every hour or whatever, and they've got to get out of music mode or geography mode and into English mode or maths mode, and they've got to have a bump into mate in the corridor. And I know that we're not talking about silent corridors, but, you know, I just think it's, it's sort of bonkers, the whole school timetable and the intensity of it. You know, adults would never cope with the 
dip in, dip out, flit here, flit there, get into completely different modes of thinking and modes of, you know, subject matter. Uh, and yet, yet we sort of apply the cognitive load theory thinking in the classroom. So that's my thoughts on cognitive load theory and the complete sort of paradox. And that's why I don't think it's a pointless pedagogy, but I think it, it irks me that it has so much um, prevalence because the school system is not designed for us to be in the cognitive flow, really. That's my view. Um, yeah. What do you think on that? I think John Speller's a really boring writer, and I hate reading his writing. <laughs> I haven't read it, so I, I can't, John I can't Speller, Honestly, any... I really tried to read it as well, and it's like reading porridge. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's so boring, honestly. Just... Okay, right, for ironic, right, for someone who doesn't want to overload somebody, eat and half, go on, right? It's just so long. It's just, you know, I've said this before, right, and I don't even care if people think this is immature, right, okay? If you want me to pay attention to your boring nonfiction or your boring scientific paper, right, write well, throw in a joke, all right, stop writing <laughs> recursively, stop writing these ridiculous massive sentences for a job, just write properly. Like, why can't these people write properly? Like, what is it about being a scientist that makes you write as though your oh. words are, as, as though your words are just... On that note, that's linking back to a tweet of the week that I didn't read out that I um, from Solomon Kingsnorth earlier on today, actually. Where are my bookmarks? I put it in there. Um, and just exactly, oh, bookmarks aren't loading. Oh, great. Um, come on, bookmarks, load now. No, they're still not loading. Anyway, it was an advert for sort of strategic leads in mats or something like that. And you could, mm. you know, these wordy corporate adverts for people who could do lots of strategic thinking. And there's just loads of long. Yeah, I hate it. I, I used to have to read a lot of scientific papers when I worked at Pfizer in, in industry. And, um, you know, I get it. It's it's like legal legal speak, isn't it? There's a there's a language to to academic publications that. But it's it's sort of oh I don't know it just it's not just throw in a joke it's all I want throw in a joke throw oh, no, in a joke like yes. throw in a little metaphor just make me giggle but it just there's no reason right the best dramas the best drama series right have got comedy in them the best comedies have got drama in them the best tragedies are you know heartwarming it, it, it's just it just because it's scientific I just don't know who who what they're trying to prove it to like. It's preserving the status quo, Alex. It's preserving preserving the whole. It's a very fragile thing that we live in, and um, and and everyone's kind of preserving their version of it, and and we're we're sort of trapped, aren't we? We're a bit trapped, really. Yeah. But Joe Joe is just I just think some of the comments because I think Joe said so. How wait so. If you look at it slightly differently, I look at CLT as a way to make sure I'm not overloading children. Yes, I get that. That makes total sense. In in in, but 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 that's my point: is that we do overload children. I'm not so much perhaps in a well managed primary classroom where the teacher is responsible for structuring the whole one teacher for the whole structure of the day, and and you can kind of. And, you know, it's it's a little bit easier to kind of do sort of smoother transitions and 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 stuff like that. But then Miss Sorsha, 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 um, uh, the transitions between lessons causing more issues than cognitive load theory solves, especially if learners moving between set classes, etc. Yeah, I mean that's that's my point. I think so. Um, so there we go. Um, anyway, um, what have you have you got a pedagogy? that is prevalent um, in the classroom or in school policy or in Ofsted policy or or in your current experience that you think is pointless? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Go boy. Uh -huh. Well, there's a few of them, really. I think um, I think there's a lot of marking pedagogies that are hot. Oh. Um, yes, I well, think, I would agree with you. Um, I also think, um, I suppose they've died out a bit now, but I always thought plenaries were pointless. Um but I'll go with marking. I think the thing with marking, so my school is very much um, of the mindset that every student needs personalised feedback every time you mark the books and you need to mark their books every six lessons. And every six lessons? Every six right. lessons. So, yeah. if you see, see, so, so I, I see my year How many lessons five do you have? times a week. Five yes. times a week I see. So that's roughly every week. 
Yeah. Um, I will need to. And then every time they need to do dirt, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Uh, but we also have to do, um, so we have to do what went well. We have to give an even better if, and we have to yeah. give them a dirt task. It takes absolutely ages. Um, yeah. uh, and the weird thing is, is that the onus, when, when things take ages, the onus is often put on the teachers then to find shortcuts <laughs> um, around it. And and it's, the, the thing is, is that, I don't know. The thing is, I think that feedback's useful, but I wonder if uh, we don't so much. See, the thing is, right, is I can give myself feedback, right? Yeah. Now, I most stuff I know I've taught myself or I've learned for myself. Now, I haven't really learned it for myself because I've got the information from somewhere that someone else has made. You can't actually teach yourself anything because you have to know it first. But. I wonder if what we should be doing more in terms of feedback is actually teaching students how to give themselves feedback, where to look, what to find, rather than... Yeah, but that, that's good if they're an older or a have got a very or they've already developed quite a lot of independence or they're quite a self-motivated learner or they're interested in your subject i'm totally fine with that that makes makes perfect sense and it's quite easy to do but it's probably not easy to do for you know a a, a, you know a whole class of year sevens or year fives of very varied ability i'd say Mm. would you would you would you i mean i think there's no one size fits all that works for all classes in all subjects at all times, is there really? Well, that's part of the problem is, is that what works in maths uh, doesn't work in English. Uh, by the no. way, Joe, I think it's uh, Dylan William who said uh, it's about feedback needs to improve the student, not the work. Um, because if you improve the work, yeah. that's just changing in the moment. Uh, it's all fine. Oh, that's think, good. Yeah. I think it's all fine. I think I have no problem with feedback. Well, feedback's vital. You know, it's obviously vital. Um, for us to know whether we've done things, um, yeah, I think I just think that there needs to be a variety of approaches and an acceptable variety of approaches. And I yeah. think it depends on the nature of the task, for example. Whereas I think it's unfair to say, here is how you're going to mark all of the books all of the time. Sorry, Toby, go yeah. on. Yeah, no, no, I think I think Lucy's just written, my school is outstandingly light on marking. It's been a change, but seems to work. And I've read some great, great um, blogs, uh, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily humorous ones, I agree, Alex, um, you know, about marking. And, you know, people like Mark Entz has written some great stuff about it. And, oh, yeah, but and, he's a know, good writer, though. He's clear. He's That's writer. what I mean. He's clear. He, he's, he makes yeah. a lot of sense. I can get on board with Entz. Yeah, and, and, and so I think... I think um, I kind of get it, but the thing is, I—it's very interesting. So, so at my school—I'm an independent school, so we're not Ofsted; we're ISI, Independent Schools Inspectorate, which lags sort of about four years behind whatever <laughs> Ofsted framework is is going on. So we're still, uh, and we're coming—we're in an inspection cycle, so we're due, you know, at some point in the next few terms. Um, it probably won't be until next September, but but it could be in the summer. Um, and so, and we've 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 all been for about the last four years quite lax and quite inconsistent. Um, and but we also have the problem is that we are subject specialist teachers from year five, um, but you know we're teaching primary kind of curriculum mm. mainly, you know, with a little bit of extension um, in year five and six in our subjects, um, and and then we've got seven and eight as well, and it's very. You know, science by the end of year eight is a very different beast to science at the beginning of year five and what you might put in a science book and the mate in an exercise book and how you might mark it and how you might plan it and how you might do it is, is really different. And so it's quite I, I really struggle with it. And I I I've spent too much time reading too much stuff on Twitter and I'm an idealist. And I think that a lot of what we do in education and in schools is is a mirage anyway and the system's so sort of deeply evolved but with no clear purpose a lot of it is just we're locked into it so so we we're all kind of rediscovering a fairly i'd say old-fashioned marking policy you know where the children have to respond in a bloody purple pen because if it's purple yeah. they learn it you know it's so it's so it's very clear we're going to talk about this in question of the week later on I, i'll talk about it in question of the week because you'll be you'll have gone to bed by then but um oh yeah <laughs> uh, but but i think it's just it's it's sort of 
I have to say though, because we're in, we're now in, we're supposed to not all work. So not all work, but, but work that is, you know, that children do, you know, not in sort of scrap, scrap, not scrap, but jotter books or draft books or mm. whatever, that they, that has to be marked within 48 hours now. And, and mm. so I'm marking much more regularly than I have done for the last really three or four years. And, I have to say, I found it quite rewarding the other day. But you know, we don't. We just have to give a comment for improvement. It doesn't have to be. You know, we don't have to do the whole, whole sort of. You know, two stars and a wish thing. But sure. but um, you know, it's quite nice. You know, but I like. I've always looked at children's books, and I always use use to see what's in their book and kind of to respond to as a whole class and to inform my teaching and stuff. Mm. But but it's just it takes a long time, and you kind of you kind of wonder. How I don't know how much difference it really, really makes, but but it becomes it, it's just driven by it, purple pen of pants, yeah, exactly, and it, it becomes <laughs> a whole show, a, a whole performance that we're completely locked into. So so I would I would go, you know, and it is linked to my our question of the week, which is you know what's the primary purpose of a school exercise book. Um, is that the whole marking thing, the whole exercise book, the whole how things look, it's all, everything's about showing we're doing a good job rather yeah, than just good handwriting, isn't doing it? a good job. And and it's it's about, and so there are some children who, who can perform very well at that and some teachers who can perform very well at that. But, you know, is their subject knowledge, their passion, their ability to deviate and then bring it back and spin back in? Is now, that any good, you know? My and, exercise book at school was absolutely shocking. My exercise book was awful. Yeah. It was, it was, it had doodles all over it. it. Didn't matter which book I drew all over the front. Um, I didn't write very much. Some lessons I barely wrote anything. I, only, I would actually only participate in lessons if I was able to discuss something with somebody else. If there was a discussion, I'd get involved. Or if I was told to do a piece of writing, I'd get on with that. Um, anything else? I do not remember. I would just zone out. I just would go, go fully inattentive. And I would draw in my book. And I would write in my book. And I'd do my own thing. And I'd do writing. And I'd do what I wanted. And my school was rubbish. So just let me. And when I say my school was rubbish, it was actually great for me. Because it just left me alone. It just sort of left me alone. I went, oh, you've got some good GCSEs. But you're the only one. And um, <laughs> sort of thing. It's nice. <laughs> no one else bothered turning up for results day. But um, so, so just, so for me personally, like, I, I, and everything I do is a mess. Like like this morning, I spent 45 minutes just tidying my classroom because it had got to the point where mm. I couldn't do anything. Like my desk had just become, you couldn't see the desk. No, my oh students, gosh. You know, my, they they, they the laugh at me for chaos. it. Oh, it's so much chaos. But the thing is, but but I... I'm reasonably intelligent, you know. I, I've got, you know, I'm able. I, I've you actually are got very intelligent, Alex. Thank not just reasonably. <laughs> oh, it, it's all it's all subjective, isn't it? But but for me, in my head, I'm just the, the cleverer I get. I find that well, the more the more I know, the more I realise I don't know. So I feel stupider every day, even though I feel cleverer. Paradoxically, but anyway, but <laughs> but but I am um, just trying to inch away from the Dunning Kruger effect, but. Um, but yeah, so, so I think that, you know, I just think we're so afraid of chaos. Like marking is all about control and, and you know, and all these things, you know, all this rigidity is all about control because we're really, really terrified of the fact that we don't really know what learning is. We don't really know what consciousness is. We don't really know how we learn stuff. And we don't really know if what we're doing is right, but we've got to decide it because by God, we've got to sell it to people as yeah. being something we've got to invest into because we have to. And I said this earlier, we've got to train students to be the employees of the future. And if they don't believe in that shared belief system, that shared, you know, that, that shared everything crumbles, yeah. British values, everything crumbles. And so, and I know, think, I think that's, edifice, that's, isn't it? I think that's what I, I think ultimately um, sticking stuff in, yes, Joe. Oh, kill absolutely. me sticking oh, stuff in. I bloody yeah, hate glue sticks, honestly. No, I, no, absolutely. And <laughs> and and they're just, you know, they they need to go into room one hundred and one for a whole host of reasons, don't they? You know, plastic and all that, and then and blah blah blah, and um, gluing asses onto the seat as well. Um, <laughs> although it's not very strong glue, so it's a pretty good waste of time, to be honest. Um, but um, anyway, <laughs> I think that that. Um, but the, the thing that I find hard, because, you know, I'm not, 
and I know this sounds patronising because I know no one's a natural born teacher, but you know, because I came into teaching as a second career, because I'm quite like you, Alex, you know, a little bit, my mind's restless and all over the place and, and, and creative energy is, is my driving force really. And, oh yeah. You're like my big brother for sure. And and I think that, think that it's just very, uh, what I find hard about marketing policy is we all know, you know, people who really care about education and really, you know, we all know it's a complete farce, but yet, there are some people who have to for their jobs because they're worried about, you know, the, the showing aspect of um, of kind of, uh, you know, inspection or or just SLT book looks or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the, 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 you know, they, 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 they sort of, you know, there are some people who seem to, on the surface absolutely believe are you in the kitchen alex <laughs> yeah i've come downstairs to get some water um yeah i am oh, i didn't yeah. let you go pick that up that's right but that's fine but it's fine but i'm gonna let you go in a minute but i just Ooh. i think i think there's this kind of you know the, the people seem to give the impression of believing this whereas i just think it's a sort of it's a lack of integrity, really. You know, uh, when I handed out the purple pens today to the children, I said, you know, if you respond to my question in your book in this purple pen, you're going to learn it much better than if you respond in your normal pen. And, you know, I just sort of did a bit of a tongue in cheek. And, and, and you know, I, I hope that the uh, 11 year olds in my care respond to the, uh, the you know, but we, we just have to be. You know, for sanity, if we like the job of teaching, if we like working with young people and and in broadening their minds and opening their minds, and we like doing those things, then we have to suck up this stuff. And it's a terrible shame that we have to suck up this stuff, but it's it's just part of the I think it's structure of, of modern British, life, isn't it? Part hmm? of being British, we've kind of got this sort of thing of like, oh, I suppose I'll put up with it, haven't we? Got this, oh, I suppose. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I suppose I'll do it. I suppose. You know, because we, we kind of expect, don't we? We you know, I think the British attitude is like, well, where's the catch? You know, yeah. as soon as something good happens, like, well, it won't last. You know, it's really very much because my Irish relatives aren't like that at all. You know, they just sort of bumble from one day to the next, just sort of living in this small locus of joy. Whereas my English relatives are all like, it won't last, you know, it won't last. There's no point enjoying this weather. It'll be gone by lunchtime. You know, with my Irish friends, it's just like, God, we're getting out, it's the sun, this is fantastic. You know, my Irish friends, it's like, there's no point, it's going to rain. You know, it's that sort of like <laughs> trenchant nationalist pessimism we've got. So yes. I'll leave you with that. Uh, I'll leave you with but that. I'm going to let you go, Alex, because thank, thank you, you so much. In, no, in you're case, more than welcome. Anytime. In case anyone has just called in recently or dialed in, um, I have had Alex as a substitute, last minute substitute, Ed, but Alex has just presented his own show. He's, 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 he needs to go and rest. He's um, um, so thank you very much for calling in. And You're I am welcome. Gonna, I'm going to go to the news. There's no ukulele to take us to the news today. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Um, Ed was rehearsing some ukulele earlier on, um, mm. I know. But I'm now going to go to I'll the pluck a guitar break. string for you. There pluck you go. Guitar string. Go on, then. There you go. Hang on. Hang on. There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Substitute Ed. Thank you very much, Alex. <laughs> I'm going to go to the adverts, the news, and the tech update, and I'll be back in seven minutes and 44 seconds. Thank right. you so much, Alex. Take care. You're bye -bye. welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, 
alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to the Education Authority in Northern Ireland, 18 out of 38 post-primary schools have fewer than 500 pupils, and this is unsustainable. The Education Authority has placed the cost of teaching a pupil at 30 to 80% higher for a relatively small school compared to a larger school. The EA's draft plan for the next five years also highlights a need for 2,000 additional places for pupils in special schools, many of which have a shortage of places. The strategic plan for 2022 to 2027 states while aiming to support sustainable rural provision, there are still too many small, unsustainable schools. There may be some local circumstances where provision will be necessary, but the determination of this will be subject to consultation, assessment and rationale for provision. In Nottinghamshire, there is mounting concern over a rise in children missing lessons as statistics show a 111% increase in school refusers between autumn 2020 and summer 2021. 125 pupils refused to attend school compared to 59 the previous year and there were also 157 pupils missing as a result of mental health issues a rise of 63%. Councillor Jim Creamer said, these are very high percentage numbers. It is definitely going in the wrong direction. What has gone wrong and what are we doing to address these figures? It does concern me about mental health because of COVID. There are going to be serious issues in more formative years. The National Deaf Children's Society has said that face masks have made lip reading impossible and cover up facial expressions. They are urging parents of deaf children across England to email the Education Secretary, Nadeem Sahawi, to raise the issue. The NDCS want the government to provide clear face coverings in schools and colleges with deaf pupils. The government is set to review the use of face masks in secondary schools and colleges in England on January the 26th. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week Steve has lost his voice. So I am going to take a look at visualizing in the classroom. Before I begin, this is not about which product is best and comparing brands and features. This is about what you need to consider to make the best choice for your school or department. Visualizing in the classroom, in my opinion, is getting something that would be difficult to see into a format that a whole class can see more easily. This may be a live moving image or a still image. Also, it may be projected onto a large screen or cast out to multiple devices. The whole idea is it makes something small more accessible. The list of devices that can do this is huge, but they fall, roughly, into three categories. Visualizers, document cams and webcams. What is the difference? In sport the definition of fitness is the ability to cope with the environment around you. When you are purchasing a device, this is what you need to consider. Don't just buy one because someone else uses it and says it's amazing. Their environment may be totally different to yours. The factors that are going to affect your purchase are cost, size, software, portability, features, and what you already have in terms of audio-visual equipment. Lighting is sometimes overlooked and depending on what you are capturing can make a huge difference. Starting with the most expensive option, the visualizer. Generally, classroom visualizers come with a large footprint meaning they take up a lot of desk space. They tend to have a high-quality downward-facing camera, lighting built-in top-down and even sometimes a backlit bed. 
They tend to allow control from the unit so there will be little or no need to move away from the device to operate. This may be useful if a lot of time is spent using the device or furniture obstructs movement. A lot of visualizers are also standalone meaning they work independently of your computer however, additional software can be installed to further augment the experience. Document cameras tend to be less expensive, have a smaller footprint and be more portable compared to visualizers however, they usually have less features and need a computer to use them. Although they are plug and play there is normally additional software available that will provide the ability to capture still and moving images, zoom in and out like a visualizer but normally control is via the computer it is attached to. Generally, they do not feature built-in lighting but tend to have a built-in microphone. The cheapest option, the webcam is plug and play and may have additional software however, the previous devices are designed for projecting something desk-based to an audience. The webcam is designed to work in a different way but can be more versatile especially if you move rooms frequently. You need a computer to plug it into, some come with flexible arms and a base you can plug it into but like the document cam, they are restricted by the length of the USB cable. Now we have an idea of what the devices are capable of the next question is what do you already have? Do you have an interactive board? If so imaging a pupil's book with a cheaper webcam and using pinch zoom and annotation may do the job. Or in a bright setting an HD webcam may do the trick. In the past the rule was the higher the price the better quality of image. Today that isn't necessarily so. My conclusion is before you spend out, do your research and consider the fitness of the device for your environment and your value for money. And please talk to your school technical support before you purchase anything. Sometimes devices are not compatible with school networks. For a visual version of this episode check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods' screen reader and that was 2 Minute Tech. 2 Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. The three most pointless pedagogies continued. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. Um, Steve, who normally does the tech update um, voice, had been replaced by the world's fastest speaking voice there on triple speed, I think. So well done if you managed to get any glean anything from that. Um, anyway, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for dedicated uh, live listeners and your comments on the chat. Thank you also very much to Alex, um, who who was my substitute, Ed, just before uh, the the news, etc. And um, he's always a great great guy. Likes to sort of think deeply and broadly, and not conventionally about what we do and why we do it. And so it's always nice to chat to him. I am missing Ed a little bit because um, Ed and I used to have a. Uh, pre-production kind of show chat on on maybe a monday or a sunday and and last week we didn't do that and i thought it actually made us have quite a good show last week although our shows are always great of course but i kind of mm, you know thought okay well that's quite interesting and so we just had our quick you know whatsapp agree what we're doing and and um and anyway i'm sort of missing my weekly catch up with my good Devon friend and I hope he's okay um so but I'm sure Ed will be back next week anyway um we've spoken about um point we're speaking about pointless pedagogies just for a few more minutes and spoken a lot about uh the inconsistency of the drive towards cognitive load theory in the classroom and you know minimizing sort of overloading children with stuff and then you know that in contrast to the kind of transitions and movement around school um alex and i spoke at length about general marking policy and and joe who was on i think line earlier on if she still is i'm not sure um she you know commented with policy you know the problem is you know what have you put in your policy you don't have to do and it's all that kind of link and so i think marking i mean you know it is what we do or culturally what we do and of course the culture of marking can be very different in in from subject to subject and also uh, from primary to secondary, et cetera, et cetera. So the third um, most pointless pedagogy that I wanted to talk about, uh, I've got actually quite a long list, but um, this is one that's been mentioned on Twitter this evening, is is the kind of, it's the copying the learning objective. But, you know, it's copying the learning objective, um, you know, and a title and a date, and underlining them both twice. You know, we're obsessed with underlining. We're obsessed with underlining things. Now, if I'm making notes or planning something, I will, there'll be lots of underlining, but but it is all about accountability, as Lucy says. It's all about accountability. Um, and and so, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go deeper. So whilst I think copying the learning objective out or sticking the learning objective in your book is, is, is it, is it, really irritating sometimes it's important but 
I'm going to go deeper and go, well, actually, the concept of a learning objective, let alone copying it out, is something I'm going to say I slightly struggle with. And then you get deeper, you know, you get into a lesson. What is a lesson? And, you know, children are at school for 14 years. They have countless English lessons and countless maths lessons and countless everything lessons. Um, and learning is not condensed into neat little one hour or 50 minute or 40 minute or hour and 10 minute chunks. And the idea that every bit of learning has to be compartmentalized and wrapped up. Alex mentioned plenaries earlier on and that you, you know, was actually, hey, guys, it's maths today. We're focusing on addition or we're focusing on solving equations in algebra. And, um, you know, we're carrying on. Yes. And we might break halfway through the lesson to give you a bit of a break and have a sidetrack discussion about the Babylonian counting system or something. Just, you know, I don't know. Um, it, it, it just strikes me that we've become a bit obsessed with, you know, structuring everything around this hook or this learning objective. And so, so you know, the writing of a learning objective is is is, is obviously, yeah, I'm in year two, Miss Sorsha, we used to stick in LOs in, now it takes up to 15 minutes. I don't think it really helps them compared to a good starter that gets discussion going, etc. Exactly. 15 minutes to write it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre that these things are still still happening, because there's quite a lot of, well, is there any evidence of anything? I don't know. There's lots of stuff talk about phonics, isn't there, at the moment? And let's not go there because I'm, I'm no expert in that. Um, but, but you know, <clears throat> evidence for what works and stuff, it's all, it's just all got a bit too much about showing. So I've got another view um, to go deeper into that. That Now, this is really controversial. So Dylan William, bright man, lots of great ideas. But for me... The thing that's really different about being a teacher, being an educator now, to being a pupil in the late 70s and the early 80s, is that <clears throat> assessment and the endpoint and the evidence that we've learned something or been taught something is what drives education now. Whereas it used to just be, these are some things that are useful for you to learn in maths, in history, in English, in whatever. And now we've become, I think, too obsessed. And I don't know when or how or why this kind of happened, um, <clears throat> but it has happened and we're totally locked into it. The assessment, whether it's assessment for learning or assessment for comparison of, of league tables, GCSE results, SATs results, whatever, um, <coughs> is really what drives what goes on in schools rather than the idea that we're going to have some great discussions. We're going to find out about lots of different things. We're going to gradually develop our brains and our minds and our social skills and our physical, um, spatial awareness and movement and fitness and so forth. And we're going to become this all rounded human being. And we're not complete when we're 18 and we're not complete when we're 40 and we're not complete when we're 11. And the idea that there is, yes, I guess there's an average, there's always an average, an expected standard. But <coughs> the idea that we should know this, or that this lesson, by the end of this lesson, you'll master this, you're, it's going to be absorbed. It's going to bounce around those neurons over a number of years. And then at some point, you leave and you move in to the adult world. So I, I think that in everything, not just in teaching, but in everything, we have become obsessed about measuring and tracking and comparing. And this is the root of all problems with all pedagogies. And I saw it in my last few years at Pfizer. I was a kind of customer facing a scientist who used to have to, so I was at Pfizer from 2001 to 2011. I saw it before that, even when I was working in a different company and, and you know, that, that metrics, measurement, how many samples have you turned around? How many conversations have you had with a chemist? And, and you know, I think um, it's just, <coughs> we're, we're sort of fixated on that spending 
time showing we're doing a good job rather than just trusting people to inspire and lead and guide etc etc you know our obsession i've wrote this down earlier on obsession with obsessing where people are at before they have the faintest idea of knowing where they're at is just a bit weird and and metrics and showing we're doing a good job rather than just kind of getting on with it and and you know there's just a bit too much pressure so there you go that's it so i think i think um but we have to make it work because we have a system that has 30 children in a class and has school timetables. And, and, and as Alex was talking about his show with Kay side bottom earlier, side bottom earlier on is that, you know, there probably is a very different world out there that we could create, but, but, you know, we can't yet because it's too complicated. So anyway, I think enough about that. That's my views. I've got a question of the week to move on to now um, as we head into the last 10 minutes of the show. So here we are. Question of the week. I think um, whoever Patience L is, hello, um, my LO are questions. I then use them as revision at the end of the topic. We don't write them out. Very wise. Very wise indeed. I like that approach. Right. I need to go to question of the week. So the question of the week, it's kind of related to pointless pedagogies and things that we all get drawn into and have to do to varying amounts. Um, And I am now going to go to find out the results of the survey that I put on Twitter yesterday. Um, The question is, question of the week is, what is the primary purpose of a school exercise book? One of my favourite tweeters is shaking that chalk. He loves a binary. He doesn't really love a binary, but he does ask a lot of binary questions. And this has been something talked about. It's very different, again, if you're teaching maths at secondary level versus teaching you know, English at primary level versus teaching science or whatever is very different. But what is the primary purpose of a school exercise book? This is the results from 59 people. It is probably not statistically valid, but I think it shows probably a trend that could be scaled up across the teaching profession. The four options were is a primary is an exercise book a disposable learning tool i'll expect explain that in a moment is it a revision document is it a curriculum coverage evidence evidence of curriculum coverage or is it for inculcating pride the child's pride in their work and um the only five percent of those 59 people responded for inculcating pride in their work 24 percent said it's a revision document so something that you create as you're learning and then you can use it for revision later on uh 25 curriculum coverage evidence which is how they're used in schools really isn't it to provide evidence in book looks book scrutinies um whether that's by management or by ofsted or other inspection agencies um or whatever um evidence that you're covering the curriculum that you know the implementation of your curriculum etc etc um and finally 46 percent of people virtually half suggested that the primary purpose of a school exercise book is a disposable learning tool um which is the one i would have voted for now i understand that uh particularly for younger children you know sort of key stage two children perhaps key stage three children beginning of key stage three as well so children from the age of sort of seven through to kind of 14 i suppose um that the kind of pride taking pride in your work taking care in how you present it i get that that's quite an important thing um i also get that you know how how do we kind of track what's going on in the classroom what's going on in our departments what's going on in our year groups whatever without the book being a part of it it's certainly a lot better than just walking into a random lesson so i get the sort of you know looking at a book to see you know if you're covering what you've said you're covering how your books looked and a little bit of consistency of how things are presented how things are laid out i sort of understand how we've ended up there but you know in reality in my view anything that we write down in a book whether it's maths problems age seven or eight whether it's physics a level whether it's geography gcse whether it's a piece of history writing in 
key stage three. The whole idea of it is the connection between the pen and the hand and the mind, and it's the practice, it's the embedding, it's the linking, it's the, the learning. And so I think a book is primarily a learning device, but yet we use them for everything other than that. Now, I think secondary schools and primary schools have generally quite different views on this. So, um, and, and I think that uh, a lot of secondary exercise books, you know, there's, there's a move onto computer now, there's a move somewhere to apply stuff. That's what Lucy says, absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, I know that when I learn, and Alex talks about this sort of stuff a lot as well, is that I'll take frenetic notes, you know, if I want to learn something, if I want to research something, I'll, I'll read or, I, you know, if I'm reading a book, a nonfiction book, I might highlight some, the margin and I might write a note in the front of the book and, and, and you know, I've got it there as a reference point or um, when I'm planning some of my writing I, I know that Lucy knows and a few other people know I, I'm trying to write fiction I'm writing my 50 key memories at the moment um and um as it builds up to my 50th birthday in August and, and so when I'm plotting and, and coming up with you know there's a lot of jotting and things and when I was a scientist uh you know for, for 16 17 years you know if I was trying to solve problems um there'd be a lot of note taking a lot of jotting and I'd always do that with a pen and paper and then the final report or the final write-up or the final powerpoint presentation of my results my data whatever would be shared you know more formally but there'd be a lot of scribbling it would be chaotic you know the Albert Einstein thing you know his books at school would have been a mess you know pages and pages and pages of just kind of scribblings and abstract notation and so forth and so if you are a deeply deeply intelligent whether it's historian mathematician scientist then when you're in the act of learning on your own you know theorizing exploring note-taking summarizing whatever it is it the neatness of it how it looks to other people is utterly irrelevant but of course in a school a lot of people aren't expert historians or mathematicians they're not particularly interested in what it is they're being asked to learn at that point in time they're just doing it some are more compliant than others and so i suppose you know they're not solving complex algebraic problems you know and and, and their books need to they have more than one purpose but i do think that we have lost you know, linked to the pointless pedagogies, I think we've lost the whole point of um, what's completely irrelevant, Lucy, what's completely irrelevant, someone to apply stuff, the, the sort of the shininess of a book. You know, as far as I'm concerned, once I've written something in a book, once I've written something, it's done. You know, I'm not like, I'm not likely to want to go back. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm not wanting to go back to, to those pages, you know, um, in in my subject in science, certainly from key stage three onwards, there's so many wonderful, um, so many wonderful revision guides or knowledge organisers or, or 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 you know uh, that you can use. You know, if you need to revise for a test or an end of topic test, your exercise book does not need to be a perfectly pristine kind of mini textbook or mini revision guide i don't think i think it's a that's a great great line from patience l um books are a live document for that lesson absolutely and 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 i see them very much as being linked to our our mind and and our thinking and absolutely so whether it's drawing a diagram or doing a math problem or writing an answer to you know a question all, um, and you know, it's a, it's a, a book, an exercise book, is a learning tool. A an essay is a learning device. You know, I think this is this is again linking back to my where I think education's gone wrong is that an essay is a wonderful thing. If you want to learn a bit more about something, you know, write a discursive essay, read a couple of books. Do, you know, do a bit of search on the internet and then write about it. Then you're going to use the writing of that essay to learn and understand. But when you're measuring the essay or marking the essay, um, it all about becomes about performance. Whereas I think, you know, and I think exams are good. Exams are good in helping us to learn because they give us a focus. 
but exams are rubbish in measuring and comparing us. You know, they, they, there's no, they, well, they are they're quite effective at it, but but there's I don't want to know what the point is. You know, if it's a driving test or a surgeon's exams, then fine. But but an exam or an essay or some notes in an exercise book are learning devices. But yet education has moved so far away from that. That's um, anyway my view, my, but not new. Uh, books are a live document, but not new. My mum battled to differentiate between my presentation and my ability 45 years ago or so. Anyway, guys, we've done an hour. I haven't got Ed with me. Um, and so we haven't got any ukulele to play out. Uh, but we'll be back with, I think, a double whammy of ukulele next week and um, some more irreverent, um, deviating chat. I've been great. Thank you very much, Lucy. You are such a lovely, lovely supporter of of a lot of stuff that I do. And um, hopefully some of these people in my phone or people on the other end of the radio um Hopefully we can meet face to face somehow this year um, because um, we've all been a bit locked away on our screens. But it's a great thing. I love hosting the show. I love co-hosting it with Ed. Um, Take care, Ed, wherever you are. Speak to you soon. You'll hear from us both next week. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for your great comments on the chat. And um, you are all absolutely wonderful. And those of you who listen on Catch Up, um, thank you for listening. Speak to you next week take care um it's bye from me and it's just bye from me uh ed will be back next week bye bye you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio